<laughs> it's good. And so we are um, celebrators of all that God does, especially the institution of marriage, and we're excited for them. So, guys, if we are new to us today, um, what we're doing is we are doing a series where we have been going through uh, just the words of Jesus and some of the things that he said as we get our fiscal year started. Again, we say fiscal year because uh, the summer everybody's out and about, you know, whether because of vacationing or because of schooling and, you know, being out for the summer. It just is a different rhythm. But once we get back to after Labor Day, right, it's time to get rolling, it's time to get started, and it's time to move ahead in the kingdom of God. And so what we've been doing is a series called What Would Jesus Say? Many of you are familiar with the uh, What Would Jesus Do? do bracelets from back in the day, but what we want to do is actually not only see what he would do, but what he would actually say about the different aspects of our lives. And over the past several weeks, what we've been doing is we've been grounding ourselves first and foremost in prayer, right? Because if our people, the people of God are going to have a relationship with the living God, they have got to be people of prayer. And even as we started this past week with not only prayer, but some fasting as well, um, just believing God that as we humble ourselves, God's going to work in our hearts hearts, to conform our hearts to his image, and then also to uh, break out in his kingdom purposes. What we're going to talk about today in the understanding of what Jesus would say is how to, out of that place of prayer, live a life that's pleasing to him. And if you are starting off in your Christian walk or you've been walking with Jesus for years, this theme that we're going to talk about today is a simple one, but it's one that is often overlooked. And the message today is called Pray and Obey. Pray and obey. So you pray, yes, to get yourself in the face of God, but what God's looking for from his people is faith and obedience. Now, how many of you um, have a favorite TV show that you watch, whether it be Netflix, Amazon, or something of the sort? Okay, many people watch uh, YouTube more than they do regular TV. Anybody like that nowadays? Okay, so here's the thing. You have different series that you watch, and whenever you're watching different series, you can tell that the, uh, I guess, presuppositions or the exposure that many of the writers have is somehow exposed to some form of religion or Christianity because you see themes running through it even though they're not pointing to the gospel. Has anybody ever noticed that before? A lot of times you'll have a protagonist or an individual who's actually the hero of the show. And what you'll see a lot of times is if they're going to be the hero of the show, they have some sort of moral guide or moral conviction to them, right? Except the thing about it is they have this moral guide or this moral conviction. Maybe it's courage. Maybe it's social justice. Maybe it's some sort of thing that we would say is good and right. <coughs> And many times, they'll even identify themselves as Catholic, right? They'll say, yeah, I'm like a Catholic person. But you see them ascribing to the things or the ideas of God. But when you look at their actual morality, how they're living it out throughout the series, it's completely off from the Scripture. Anybody ever notice that before? It's sort of like the hero, the protagonist, is this religious person or somebody with religious background. But if you looked at their life and how it matches up to the Scripture, it doesn't have anything to do with the way that God said to live. And so when we're talking about our idea or our perceptions of what it means to be pleasing to God in our present culture, we've got to look to the words of Jesus when he said that you're going to have to not only pray or ascribe to the things of God or even offer up petitions to God because you're a spiritual person, but you're going to learn how to, you're going to have to learn how to both pray and obey God. So let's look at what Jesus said in John chapter 14 today, starting in verse 24. He starts off with prayer. He says in verse 12, 
truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, and that's good news because that's all of us in here, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Anybody encouraged by that? That we don't just pray in vain, but as we know the will of the Father and we have relationship with the Father, he says in Jesus' name as we pray things according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we, he's going to answer us and we have that which we've asked of him. That's his promise, right? That's his promise based on his word. He said, if you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. But then he says this. It's not just about what I do for you. It's also about how you respond to me. He says, if you love me, if you love me, which is ultimately the greatest commandment that God's given us. He said the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. But really, we can only do that if we first love God properly. And we're rightly oriented with God first, and he's our primary identity. And he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments, everybody say, has my commandments, and keeps them. He it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So many of us have grown up in a religious household, or at least with some sort of exposure to the things of God. And because we've had the things of God impressed upon us, it's easy for us to identify with Christianity, or easy for us to identify with religiosity. And many of us would even claim a love for God. Many of us would claim an appreciation or a devotion to God. But what Jesus is saying is, very clearly, without an obedience to my commandments, you're deceiving yourself. Without an obedience to my word, you are thinking that you have something that you don't really have. 
Many of us have been in relationships before, and we've often had an affection for somebody that wasn't quite mirrored by the one that we were in relationship with. It might have been a romantic relationship. It might have been a plutonic relationship. In a romantic relationship, it often ends in things like a breakup or a divorce, right? Because it wasn't mutual, the love or the esteem that you had for the other individual, and it ends up in a separation. Some of us have experienced that. For others of us, it's just plutonic where you think that someone's your BFF, but they just don't feel that way about you. Anybody ever been there before? Been like Spike? Remember the old Looney Tunes commercial? Hey, what do you want to do today, Spike? What do you want to do? It's okay, anyway, the thing is, sort of like you don't feel it in the same way. And the thing about the commandments of God is that people often think they're devoted to God without obeying his commands. But Jesus is very clear where he says, if you love me, if you even think you love me, then you've got to obey that which I say. I'm the Lord of heaven and earth. He says, he says, I'm not just savior. I've got to be master and the one in charge, the one governing every aspect and area of your life. What that means is he's got to uh, govern the aspects of your relationships, how you relate with the world around you, whether it be romantic or plutonic, whether it be in your workplace, whether it be with those of a different ethnicity or those of a different sex. He's saying, I've got to govern that if you are in fact giving me your allegiance. He says, I've got to govern your finances. Even as Cole said, he says, don't make an idol of them. Where your treasure is there, your heart is also. You can't serve two masters is what Jesus says. Either you'll love the one and hate the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. He said, with your time, I want you to be consecrated to me in all that you do, seeking the kingdom first. In all that you do, knowing that he has understanding of all that you need. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or you're going to drink or you're going to wear because a good heavenly father knows that you have need of such things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In every area of your life, he says, if you love me in every area, you'll obey my commands. And if you don't, It will be shown by not your lip service, but by what you do, by what you do and how you live. That's true in marriage. It's true in our relationship with God. It is true in our relationship with God. And what many of us need to do today, not later, not a week from now, or not in a month from now, is take an evaluation of how we've been living not how we've been speaking, not what we've been associated with, but how we've been living before the living God. Have we been obeying his commands? When you look in the Old Testament, you see that the Old Testament was full of the law of God, where the people of God were coming out of their bondage or their slavery in Egypt and coming into the promised life or the promised land that God had for them. And Moses on that mountain gave them a set of laws that dealt with all areas and aspects of life. He said, if you want to live in God's word and his ways and his promises, here are the commands that are to be obeyed. When you get to the New Testament, you see that Jesus, he said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. 
And he said, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth pass away, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear until all of these words of mine have been fulfilled. Now the words of God have been partially fulfilled in Jesus, the Messiah, coming, living a perfect life, dying a sacrificial death on the cross for humanity. Three days later, according to that word, being raised from the dead. So not only could we have forgiveness from sins, but also freedom from those sins to live differently. Where before we were bound in disobedience. And we were by nature, the scripture says, objects of God's wrath. Because all we did, not thought, not said, but did was in opposition to him. He said through Jesus' death on the cross burial, and resurrection from the dead, he gives us what Jesus is talking about in John 14, the Holy Spirit to regenerate the Christian, to make them a new man or a new woman from the inside out and set them free from the sin that was condemning them and killing them in the first place. He said, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to come to you. But for what purpose? that you might love me and obey me even as I've loved you. Even as I've loved you. And it is not a part-time affair. It is not a part-time affair. In our culture, people do it as if it's something they get around to. They go to God when they're in trouble or when they're in need, when their life is unraveling or things are falling apart around them. Now, the good news is that God's merciful and he'll receive a person even in that moment. But the good news is, the even better news rather, is that God wants you to live a life in him. Always dwelling. Not bobbing and weaving in and out of obedience to the things of the kingdom and suffering the repercussions or consequences of living a life outside of him. He instead is saying, dwell in me. Live in me in my word, in obedience to the way that I say for you to treat your spouse, in obedience to the way that I say to use your finances, in the way, obedience in the way that I say to rear your children, in obedience to the way that I say for you to be a good worker in the workplace and not get caught up in office politics, backbiting, deceiving, slander, gossip, Right? He's saying, with all of these things, obey me, and that's how you show your love for me. But if you don't love me, you won't obey my commandments. And so if anybody can picture appearing before Jesus one day, which we all will, and him one day having us give an account for the life we lived before him, many of us will think to ourselves, well, I'm sure I'm showing up here loving him, but he's going to ask, did you obey me? And if, if it really is a line being drawn in the sand, the question is, will we be able to have confidence based on the, not ourselves, because our righteousness comes from what Jesus did for us, not what we ever do for him. But in terms of in love for him, will we be able to say, I showed it by the life I lived? So that when I appear before him, I appear before him as a friend and not a foe. Because he is the judge of all heaven and earth, and he came to save, but he also came to draw a line in the sand saying, come in repentance and faith that I might actually set you free. Now, they're practicals of how you actually pray and obey. Pray and obey God. 
And just as we have our three C's in Christ, community, and culture here in this church, I'm going to give you three C's of how you practically pray and obey God today. First of all, he says, if anybody obeys my word, if anyone has my commands and obeys them, he or she is the one who loves me. If you're going to obey God, you've got to become familiar with his word. We lift up the word of God in this place. And we say, according to his word, that God Almighty has exalted, made more important than anything else, his name, the name of Jesus and his word, which he's communicated. If you have not gotten familiar with that old dusty Bible that sits on your shelf that grandma gave you so many years ago, now's the time to do it. Or better yet, everyone's got a cell phone. And guess what's free on that cell phone? The Bible. Let me tell you, I'm, I am a man who runs hard during the day, but as soon as I hit my wall, I'm done. Anybody else like me? It's like you run at 50, like, you know, 50 miles out, you feel like a cheetah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going after life. I'm taking it, you know, but then all of a sudden you like, it's sort of like your glucose level drops and you're like, boom, <laughs> you know, they just stumble. And it's like, when I'm done, I'm done. Right. And so the Bible on the phone has helped me, I think, more than anything else in this modern generation. Because when I can't read it myself, I'm tired. I have that British man speaking to me. <laughs> and he is speaking that word of God over me. And I just feel smarter, right? Just because of his accent. I'm like, God Almighty, you're building me up. And I feel more spiritual just because of the word washing me. And because I have the commands of God, I know how to obey them, right? But without first having them, without first exposing myself to them, there's no way that I can obey that which I'm ignorant of. And God's saying that each of us need to be people, men and women of his word. Practically, the first thing that you need to do to start this fiscal year is set apart some time in the word of God, not once a week, but daily. He said, give us this day our daily bread. And even as Jesus said, man or woman doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Some of you are going to come out of your depression. Some of you are going to come out of your fears. Some of you are going to come out of your anxieties. Some of you are going to come out of your bitterness and your hatred towards others when you have the word of God daily washing your mind and heart to set you free. And he says, set apart time and his word that you might have it, know it, and obey his commands. Number one is his commands through his word. He said, if anyone remains in my word, if anyone rather loves me, he will keep my word. Makes it real simple. If anyone loves me, if you say you love Jesus, keep his word. Submit your opinion and the opinions of our culture to that word. Because he's the greatest opinion. He's the greatest thought. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. He's wiser, more understanding, better in every way. Number one, the commands of God. Look in the Old Testament. Again, you see the ways of God. Look in the New Testament. You have not only the Gospels of Jesus, but also what are called the epistles, the letters. You have the explanation of Jesus, his nature, his divinity. And then also in the second part of most of the letters, you have application. How am I going to obey him as a Christian today? 
That's how it's broken down for you. Number two, the second C, clear direction. Clear direction, which brings you back to the prayer. Brings you back to prayer. If God's giving you commands, he's not only giving you commands in a static way, he's giving you commands in a dynamic way. That because we believe God Almighty lives and speaks, we believe that God interacts with his children. Okay, one more time. God lives and breathes. God interacts with his children. (laughs) Yes, he does. And so because of that, when we pray, when we speak to him, guess what? God can speak back. And whenever we're looking for a clear direction, we should believe that God Almighty, based on the foundation of the word he's already spoken, will speak to his children by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. And that clear direction is based on Jesus saying, I don't want you just to know my commands. I want you to receive direct insight into how I want you to live in the specifics of your life and situation on a daily basis. And so the proverb actually tells us, according to Proverbs chapter 3, acknowledge the Lord. Acknowledge him. That's what we need to start with. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. Not some of them. Not the ones that you think are religious, spiritual, or important, but all your ways. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and he'll make your path straight. What does it mean to acknowledge him? It means to stop and pray. And acknowledge his presence in the room. Acknowledge his presence in your workplace. Acknowledge his presence in your family life. Acknowledge his presence when you're deciding what you're going to do with your time and your resources. Acknowledge him. And say, God, what do you think about this? What do you want me to do? He said, all of my days were written in your book, O God, before one of them came to be. He says in Ephesians 2.10 that you in Jesus are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. Everybody should live with a sense of calling in Christ because he's saying you are my workmanship to do good works, which I prepared for you. Great confidence to walk in them if you would just acknowledge me. So many of you are pursuing careers that you're you're on shaky ground with. Saying, I don't know if, how long I'll be here, what, you know, what I'm going to do, or you know what I mean, if this is really going to work or succeed. How about this? You can push all of that aside when you've got a word from God. You can stand in faith knowing that God Almighty is going to open doors that no man can shut and shut for you doors that no man can open when they need to be. Whenever you've gotten a word, clear direction from the Father because you've acknowledged him. But oftentimes that's a scary place because we don't know if we're hearing correctly. Anybody been there before? It's like I pray, I read my Bible, I felt like I heard something, but I'm not sure. Anybody ever been there before? Okay, that should be everybody. If we're in humility, right, if we walk with enough humility, we'll actually question our abilities. Not his, but ours. And we've got to have the humility to not only know his commands and not only seek his face and acknowledge him, but then 
utilize the resources he's given us around us to confirm that which he's spoken. So he said, you go to my commands, my word, it's the foundation of everything. And if you ever hear or think you hear something in contradiction to his word, his written word, guess what? It is not him. Amen. It is not him. I had people in counseling before talk to me about God telling them that they, God, they felt like God felt, um, told them that they need to divorce their spouse because they just irreconcilable and just things aren't working out. Guess what I said? It ain't him. Now, there are caveats that we'll talk about a different discussion at a different time, reasons for it at times, right? But we're talking about, I'm talking about because you got in a fight last night, that's not the reason. Hello? Because you got into a disagreement or somebody telling me like, you know what, like I just felt like I had to sleep with my boyfriend or sleep with my girlfriend because they were going to, you know, they needed a sign of my commitment. And I felt like God was okay with it because we're going to get married anyway. Let me tell you what was not him. That. No, right? Because of the fact that God says purity is my standard. And if he, what? Beyonce was preaching. If, she, if he wanted it, put a ring on it. Right? That is the truth. But when you're in the middle of that confusion or deception, you need people around you who are going to be godly counsel to you. That's the third C. Counsel. His commands, his clear direction, and his counsel. And Psalm, verse chapter 1, starts off this way. Blessed is the man or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, the commands of God. And on it, he meditates day and night. Then in doing those things, he says, you're able to see me clearly, get confirmation for the things I'm leading you to do, and the encouragement to live it out day after day, right? Anybody ever need some encouragement just to obey God? That's where the counsel comes in. He says, I'm giving you a three-pronged approach. My commands my clear direction, and my counsel. And if somebody gives you counsel that does not match up with his word, you send them to the door. Everybody's had friends before, right? Anybody ever get in a fight with like a significant other and then you had a friend who wanted to, on your behalf, key their car? <laughs> yes, come on now, be real. <laughs> so, so like you hear it and it's like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Oh, I'm gonna get them. It's like, you're like, slow your roll. They're like more fervent about it than you, right? And it's like, calm down, right? And it's sort of like, listen, man, you don't need that type of counsel in your life. You don't need the type of counsel that's going to fire you up for wickedness or ungodliness. You don't need the type of counsel that's just going to get you mad even about social issues that God wants to alleviate by his justice, mercy, and peace. You hear me? God says, I want my grace to permeate everything. 
Moses came with the law, but Jesus comes with grace and truth. His word, unique counsel that's going to reaffirm that which God himself is saying. When you have these things, you can actually live in the ways of God properly. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, many of you are familiar with him, Christian theologian, he actually said, being a Christian, when you have all these three operating together, is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively pursuing God's will. That's what some people have reduced Christianity to. Do this and don't do that. But he's like, listen, it all is all unto an end. It's all unto you, courageously and actively pursuing the will of God for your life. That's how you know who your brothers and sisters are. Jesus said, who are my mother, my brother, my sister, my fathers? They're those who do the will of my Father who's in heaven. Getting the commands, the clear direction, and the counsel. A little less erudite, but Toby Mack actually said this. (laughs) That's right, we'll quote Toby too. He said, pray first, then make plans. Don't plan and then pray for your plan to work. Isn't that what people do? (laughs) He said, pray first and then make plans. Stop asking God to bless that which he's not even involved in. Different type of posture, different type of living. And the purpose, just as we talked about last week of fasting and prayer, is that it would prepare our hearts to fulfill the Great Commission. Let's turn one last place. Jesus in the Great Commission, he said in Matthew 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. It's all unto worship. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, hey, listen, guys, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Again, this is our appeal. If you've not been baptized, but you say you love or belong to God, you need to get baptized. You need to go down in the waters of baptism, be united with him in his death, that through your faith in the power of God, you might be raised into new life free from that monkey on your back. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, and not teaching them only, but teaching them to obey or observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What we've got to get to is that there is a distinction, a difference between the narrative of Jesus, which people readily ascribe to, and the commands of Jesus, which they are reticent to fully obey. Do you understand the difference? Many people will say, I ascribe to the narrative of Jesus, the teaching. The teaching is what I leave behind, right? That which I'm to obey, I leave behind. I don't deny that Jesus was the Son of God. I don't deny that Jesus was crucified on the cross or raised from the dead three days later, what I'm reticent to fully give myself to are his commands. But Jesus said, you're to teach them not just the narrative, but to obey everything that he's commanded us. And we'll end in a different way by a quote by 
a famous philosopher named Aldous Huxley. Anybody familiar with Huxley, the <coughs> philosopher? He said this. He said, I had motive for not wanting the world to have a meaning. Consequently, assumed that it had none and was able without any difficulty to find satisfying reasons for this assumption. The philosopher who finds no meaning in the world is not concerned exclusively with a problem in pure metaphysics. He is also concerned to prove that there is no valid reason why he personally should not do as he wants to do or why his friends should not seize political power and govern in the way that they find most advantageous to themselves. For myself, the philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation, sexual and political. And when the world is basically saying, I'll, I'll accept the narrative, but I'm going to pick and choose piecemeal the commands of God. They're looking for a liberation that's political and social, but it will lead to their destruction and death. We see it in the world around us, but Jesus calls us to a better way. Jesus calls us to a better way. He said, don't obey some of my commands, obey them all. Don't do it haphazardly. Be careful to obey that it might go well with you. And Paul the Apostle ended it this way in Corinthians. He said, now about knowledge or food sacrificed to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up. <laughs> and isn't that true of the sophistry and the world of pundits we live amongst today? Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Continue on. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God by obeying his commands, he's known by God. And that's the hope of us all. Not that I would think about God, not that I would know about God, but that I'd be known by him. And if you've been on the former camp prior to this point, knowing about God but not being known by him, now's your time to cross that line in repentance, faith, and submission to his commands and his ways. In Jesus' name, this is the gospel. This is the cross. This is his appeal to you. And for every other Christian, firm up your faith. Firm up your faith and trust the one whose name is greater than every name, whose ways are higher than our ways, whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Trust him and obey his commands today. Amen? All right, let's have the worship team come on back.